The Turtle Room, Education, Conservation, Survival. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pond. We are here to bring you the podcast. My name is John. I'm Tony. And we're really excited about today's episode. It's been a while since we recorded. And we are going to, um, we have a, kind of a new theme for you, actually. We're going to do a themed episode today. The theme is drumroll. I don't know Tony. how to drumroll. I don't know how to drumroll. <laughs> yeah, I, that's weird. I did it. I did it. And, and it didn't make any noise because I was doing I, I did an air drum roll. So the theme is Tony. Tell us. This <laughs> I didn't realize. I didn't know that was my cue. Uh, <laughs> Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia is a biodiversity hotspot. Thank you very Ooh. much. Yeah. yeah, that's a good. Good term. Good term. Um, so basically, there's uh, two parts: mainland uh, Southeast Asia uh, or Indochina. And maritime Southeast Asia, um, Indochina. Indochina, of course, is what our grandfathers called the area. I don't think, I think that's an actual usable term, is it? I don't know. They use it in Pulp Fiction. That's um, <laughs> right, right. I don't know, but uh, it's warm. Uh, basically, the area is uh, humid tropics, um, so that's something to keep in mind if you're keeping animals from this area. And uh, monsoonal as well. So there's a a very um, you know, heavy, um, rainy season, uh, very wet right. season. Um, the human population there is growing, which puts stress on the natural environment. Uh, a significant portion, um, of Southeast Asia remains unaltered, um, and a home to wildlife, however. And, um, most nations have become aware of the need to preserve their natural resources and things are actually getting better in the sense that places are trying, um, Indonesia for one, has uh, set up some uh, some national parks and things like that. So they have, yeah. But you know, a lot of these species that are kind of rock stars over here in the states um, are so because of um, food markets and things, and and you know, the animals becoming more rare in the wild. It seems like that's the most striking thing that I've you know just from reading and keeping up with this is that the. The, they eat so many things that we're not used to eating here, I guess. And they're, and they, that, that's, I mean, that's such a large contribution to why things are kind of messed up there. Right. Um, there's predictions that 40% of flora and fauna species will be wiped out during the 21st century, uh, in Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's scary. Very scary. But, uh, again, yep. talking about the positive thing, several countries have signed the agreement on transboundary haze pollution, which in turn helps the animals because to they're wanting to stop the haze. Um, the problem that they have there um, means stopping slash and burn agriculture, which is a huge uh, enemy to um, our little cold-blooded friends. So, Right. And that, one of the things about the, uh, the agricultural, especially the agriculture and, you know, con- considering the burning part of it is I just read an article uh, today uh, where they were talking about the, um, the palm oil industry is kind of what's really doing that because a lot of land is being burned down just to all the natural vegetation. These, and these are, this is ancient forest, prehistoric forest basically that have been, you know, untouched until, you know, within the last couple hundred years. 
and uh, now they're, I mean, the palm oil industry. Do you, you know what palm oil is? I don't know what oil you put on your palms. <laughs> um, you are better. Than, I expect more than you from, <laughs> from uh, that. It was a joke. But, yeah, it was no. a joke. It made myself laugh. Those are the best kind of jokes, so. Those they are. That's very true. Um, but the, the, the article I read was about um, across across the way, close to Singapore. Um, some NASA satellites were were revealing a lot of uh, a lot of these fires. That is like most of the islands, like Sumatra, Sulawesi, um, Borneo, and like the, the island. There's a few nations that are on Borneo, but that's a, just the, the name of the major island. Um, did I say Sumatra? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I did. All right. Well, those are the islands. Um, they they just they burn down all the forests to start these plantations, and obviously it's devastating. Um, Southeast Asia is basically um, is being and has been scraped of um, almost every single turtle um, there uh, to meet the demands of um, Chinese wildlife markets. Um, in the 80s in Vietnam, turtles were considered to be common, but by the mid-90s, researchers were finding next to nothing in the field. Um, right. And animals whose trade is forbidden by CITES um, are still offered for sale in those Chinese markets. So um, China's kind of wiped out their own turtles, and now they've, they've gone out. And it, it's, you know, it's, it's the animal market, so there's plenty of um, animals that are being affected by this, but... Um, the turtles are uh, being affected big time. I, I saw an article uh, about one of the specific species that's been affected, the southern river terrapin. There's uh, apparently less than 200 um, uh, of that species left in the wild. What are some of the other species specifically that are being uh, like threatened? Um, well, the big one that comes to mind is um, the... Uh, Red River uh, Giant Softshell, and there's a million different common names for it, or the the Yangtze Giant Softshell Turtle, but it's uh, Raphidus uh, uh, Swin Hoai, which I don't say often because that's not a species that anyone works with. So I, th- I think that's one of the names from the, one of those sci-fi books you're into reading. Probably. Probably just got a little mixed up. But uh, anyways, if you want to see some pretty impressive pictures on the internet, there's pictures of, of these guys next to um, next to people and things. But anyways, there's four left in the world. There's four of these left in the world. And um, after the um, the death of Lonesome George, they became the, um, they became the rarest uh, colonial species on the planet. And the plowshare tortoise became the rarest um, tortoise on the planet. But uh, there's three of these that are in zoos. And then, uh, actually, no, there's two in, in a zoo in China. There's one in a, um, and there's one in a lake in Vietnam, and then there's one that's still wild. Uh, the one in the lake is kind of semi-wild, and then there's one that's still that's been seen in the wild, I believe. And I I could be off on this, but We're, how how big are we talking? Big, big, like like they, a small <clears throat> car, like a Volkswagen, like a swimming Volkswagen, like big. I don't want to talk out of line here, but uh, they, <laughs> big, like I'm saying, big. big, yeah, <laughs> like the Shaquille O'Neal of <laughs> of soft shells. <laughs> um, there's a record of one specimen that was over 440 pounds. Oh wow! So they make the alligator snapping turtle look like a spotted turtle, right? But, I mean, they're they're huge. 
They're huge and, and really um, important. The female, there's one, um, of all the ones that are alive, only one of them is a female. There's three males. And that female's laid um, eggs probably for the past four years now, um, give or take. And uh, nothing but duds. And she's estimated to be um, around 100 years old. So um, you can imagine why she's uh, struggling Talk with the, about an Right. Talk about an internal clock, huh? Right. Right. My girlfriend's 26, and she's trying to lay eggs. I know, you know what I, mean. I know, I know. So this turtle's kind of like the stature of Shaquille O'Neal and... And uh, the age of Dikembe Mutombo. Yes. <laughs> Not that anyone knows who that is. <laughs> what, um, I was going to say seemed... Demi Moore, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's true. <laughs> um, what it's, It seems like soft-shell turtles especially are always, um, you know, turtles that are on the decline. Um, there's been a lot of instances that i've seen recently where they're being uh their meat is being sold in restaurants that's mm-hmm. one of the specific delicacies is there anything specific about soft shells that makes them like that do we know well there's soft shells all over the all over the, the world um right and, not all of which are endangered of course but and most of which the 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 vast majority of which get pretty big the chinese soft shells stay small and uh some of the species in, in like uh lesemis um stay pretty small but for the most part they all get big so um, you know, if, if you're able to get your hands on a few, uh, you know, and you're looking to make turtle soup or, or different dishes with them, um, please don't, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a no brainer for them, uh, for people, especially who, you know, they don't know that an animal's endangered. And if the laws aren't, um, enforced, then they just, you know, they're just going to bleed a resource dry until there's nothing left. Right. So it's, I mean, it's, it's again, this, the tone of most of these ended up being very sad. Most of the wildlife programs that you watch or anything like that end up being kind of sad, but we do want to kind of focus on the the good stuff, the cool stuff. And you know, the soft shells is a perfect example. That's a very cool turtle. I mean, Mm -hmm. the, just from a, you know, evolutionarily speaking, um, you know, the way that they've developed, the way that they look, you should definitely go and look at, um, look at a picture of this. If you're listening, uh, we'll try to, I, I think we're going to try to put some, uh, some links to some of these things that we're talking about in, uh, on, on iTunes. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And they'll be on the website. Uh, so, they'll be on the website right. when we, um, when we put this podcast episode up on the turtle room. There we go. Perfect. Um, so yeah, definitely. T- I mean, t- take a look at these, especially uh, soft shells. I have kind of a soft spot for those, if you will, because I think they're awesome. Um, they have the you know the most of their just look different than most turtle. Most you- turtles. Turtles is a is a scientific word for tortoises and turtles. Right. Um, I don't I don't like the lab, so I call them turtles. Of course, good for you. <laughs> have you ever seen a soft shell turtle um, on land? Book it to the water. Um, I can't say that I have. All right. Check out for you, John, and anyone else who's listening, check that out on YouTube or wherever, you know, wherever videos are sold. Um, it's the funniest <laughs> thing you'll ever see in your life. There, whoever said a turtle sl- slow has never seen a soft shell turtle see, you know, see a, a potential danger and take off to the water. They are so fast. It's, a, it's absurd. They, they look, I mean, ge- generally speaking, they are very, um, you know, they're aerodynamic looking and they're very slick. So they look, I mean, they, they can move pretty well wherever they are. Yeah. They're more limber than most turtles. They're, they're more flexible. Right. Yeah. Right. Because their shells are not as hard, which is why they got the name soft shells. Man, this, I'm telling you this stuff, 
This stuff is great. You can't get this. You can't get this type of scientific information anywhere else. It's you know this is just we like to we like to identify the populace that's listening to this. Um, <laughs> really give them the the, the lowdown on, it. especially where the names came from. It's one of my one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> we're, we wanted to talk about uh, Tony. You just got a and and along with uh, some of our other friends of Turtle Room uh, have a new project. And we we're, Tony, can you tell us a little bit about about that? Yeah, well, the actually, just came in. I think this is a good microcosm for how the turtle room operates. Um, we've got in some Vietnamese black-breasted leaf turtles or Geoemida spengleri, which um, are a species on the decline. Add them to the list. Um, they used to be imported a lot, and they're not anymore. This was a turtle you could get, you know, 12 years ago for 25 bucks, but that's not the case anymore. Um, and, uh, these were actually, uh, wild caught imports from around 10 years ago. And, um, they've been with the turtle room for nine years, but they're coming to me and, uh, Steve and myself now as a group project and they're staying with the turtle room. So these are not new animals to our organization, but they are new, um, to me, uh, myself personally and Steve. So we're really, really excited about it. And, uh, these this breeding pair uh, it's a male and a female they they breed um, three times a year like clockwork and uh, I actually got them yesterday and um, they were uh, copulating right off the bat wasted no time they were they were here at my house for about an hour before they started and they're, to, they're uh, I mean they're not they're they're kind of a funny looking turtle no oh, I they're mean, wild they're, they're, yeah they're wild they're so small they look like I don't even, they have like owl eyes. It's, their eyes are amazing. They look like those fake little plastic eyes that you like glue onto a craft project, like for kids. Um, right. They, they're, <laughs> and like the pupil jiggles all around inside the eye. That's what they look like. They're amazing. Yeah. They're absolutely amazing. And they're, my, this is, they're actually part of my, I don't know if, if this, there probably is not a, a word for this. I'm, I'm feeling really interested in the words today. Uh, the, I love reptiles that are shaped like and have, evolutionary made themselves look like a leaf i think that that's the coolest thing yeah it's the matter matter thing so, sure yeah the mat right i i matter matter um there's a couple i mean there's a lot of species um and all different um you know there's there's amphibians that are like that which we're going to get to later and there's also um snakes that are specifically designed it's just the fun thing about making it look like something that's that's not a that's a plant is right. cool to me i love stick bugs too for that reason right um, it's just cool. It's just you know what I mean. Like that's just hey, you you guys, you found your niche. That I think that's the coolest thing always is just the way that the the niches that these animals have found um, and ways to stay alive is uh, uh, is interesting to me. Absolutely, and couldn't agree more. So they they breed three times a year. That's that's yeah, they do. They do. She's she's laid um, two eggs in a clutch before, but most of the clutches are one egg at a time. So. I see three three clutches a year, um, and you know three eggs a year. But that's still that's still nothing to sneeze at because it is a special turtle and uh, a sought after hatchling. So any eggs are good eggs, as right. I and usually say around breakfast time. And <laughs> and they're listed as endangered, um, not quite critically endangered mm -hmm. not and it's it's right in the middle of the of the line they're threatened in the middle of the three possible distinctions i don't know yeah well I mean, a lot of a lot of animals are, don't have the right status anyways when it comes to that and the um 
IUCN um, Red Book usually admits that. And if you scroll down to the bottom, a lot of the turtles will say, like, you know, needs more, uh, need, you know, more research needs. Better classification. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, they probably aren't as critically endangered as the things that are listed as critically endangered, if that makes sense. It's kind of like a yogiism. Right. But um, they are, you know, they are an endangered species, and, and um, they could use the help of captive breeding and, and whatnot. Definitely. That actually leads us pretty well into um, some of the, the two of the news stories that I wanted to bring up. Do we want to talk about those now? Should we get into that? That sounds great. Let's do it. Um, in, in just like we're saying, it, it's not easy to, to – what goes into naming or to, to giving these turtles a classification or the, any animal a classification of where it is on the, on the IUCN list is it's terribly difficult because you have to go into the forest or there, whatever the, you know, the, the, the one I'm looking at is in the forest. That's why I say forest. Um, okay. You have to find these animals in the wild and it's hard to tell what, you know, it's, it's one you've seen before and all that. So it's not an easy thing uh, to classify how many of any specific species is uh, there are left on the world. And uh, there's been two such examples in the last couple of years that were actually believed to be extinct um, and have been rediscovered, which is a nice, I think that's a nice thing, right? We're at, we, that's, that's good news. Right. There's probably more that there's more than that, but here's, here's two right. up that we can highlight two recent right. so, ones. Yeah. Right. So one of these is, uh, the Japori ground gecko or the geckoella japorensis. Uh, it, the last sighting actually, there are, this is, this is in terribly interesting. In 1877, it was, cataloged as a sighting and that was the only other ever sighting and they just found one again um i think in, i think it was this year actually how did it have um, a name if it was only seen once in 1877 how did it because it, w- it was described by a guy the um the gentleman's name is rh bedome and he was a naturalist and he so he you know what I mean? he got it he got it done he got it classified as a as a separate species oh uh, it was God. only described it was only written out described once you can go i mean we can put the um we can put the link actually on uh, on the site it's from the scientific american blog um what is it called extinction countdown um run by a guy named john r platt who's a very awesome guy if you can follow him on twitter actually um he's really good at keeping up with this type of stuff that's what he does all day is write about the um you know environmental issues and endangered species and so on um, but it's a really good blog to follow. Shout out to John R. Platt. But, um, yeah, they, they, I mean, it was for 135 years, there was no sightings and now we found them again. That's really, really amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes, it goes to show you, and this is a small, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a small gecko. It's kind of, it, it was found under a rock, the original one. Like it's a, it's, it's a small private gecko. Um, so that, those type of things are more than, you know, more likely to be, looked over than like the megafauna that people believe are still around, which is, we're going to get into, uh, I think we're going to do a whole, I want to do a whole episode on cryptozoology um, just because there's so many things that we don't know if they're here or not, if they're still alive. But this is, I don't know, that's just a good thing. It's a really cool looking gecko too. I suggest that you take a look at it. Um, like Bigfoot. That's right. That's a cryptozoological issue. Very, very good, Tony. Thanks. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> See what I did there? That's cool. Yeah. People probably thought this guy Platt was, was crazy. Well, he just, he just reported on it. He wasn't the one that found it. He, it was a guy, it was an, an Indian naturalist because they're from, um, they're from mostly like Northeastern India, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm with you. 
I'm so that, that's that's how I came to it. That's how I found it. But um, okay. another one would be uh, there was a product that was considered to be extinct. Um, in 2011, it was discovered. Uh, again, it was the hula painted frog. Um, it's uh, found in Israel, and uh, also a cool looking frog. It's got really um, like really speckled uh, uh, the underneath. <laughs> the the undercarriage of the frog is very <laughs> is very, very cool. It's a pretty pretty thing, and that's all, this is the time especially that we need to be finding good news about amphibians more than ever because they I mean we're gonna they're they're dying at even more alarming rates than turtles in Southeast Asia or than the turtle that's on the, you know, that's on the plate, if you will. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? They're, they're, I mean, amphibians are in a very dire circumstance right now. Yes, they are. Um, so, but there, yeah, that's, that was two, two things in the last, that in the last year that have been rediscovered, which is, um, you know, it's encouraging. All right. So the next, um, the next segment that we want to get into is we, I don't know if, if any of our other, I'd be really interested to find this out actually, if any of our other listeners are sports fans um, and just in general, actually, if you want to, if you want to email us at the turtle room and just tell us what your other hobbies besides, um, besides reptiles are, because I'm really interested to see what people that are into reptiles are also into. Um, so if you want to give us a, a heads up on what you're into, then do that. But we are both very into basketball. Um, yes. We and- are. And, Go, sorry. And also collecting coins and stamps and uh, building dollhouses as well. I, how is your new dollhouse, by the way? I, I forgot to ask you. <laughs> That's all a joke. That's all a farce. If any of you guys like building dollhouses, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make fun at your expense. I was just joking. Was I'm just sorry, joking. but you are an idiot if you like to build dollhouses. <laughs> I'm thing just kidding. Is- no, everyone has their things, you know? That's true. To each his own. What, right. Yeah. I'm. I, I'm. I'm sorry. I. I feel bad now. But uh, I thought. I, I, I thought it would be comical. I have a pretty general feeling that we're not going to piss off very many dollhouse builders that are listening to the, to the to the lizard podcast. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> the lizard podcast. <laughs> okay. That's okay. what. That's what they would call it. Ah, oh, what are the lizard? Not lizard podcast again. <laughs> well, let's get into our uh, sports theme. Please don't let me yeah. steal your thunder. Yeah, this is this is what we decided to do. the uh, The NBA draft uh, just happened last week as we we're recording, and um, we wanted to to kind of take um, take a page out of that book because we think it'd be really interesting to see what type of um, of animals we'd have if we were to have a lizard NBA draft. Um, so, me and Anthony are now going to choose our lizard team. By the way, did you come up with a good name? Because I have a, I have I think a pretty good name. Why are you for, saying lizard? Why are you saying lizard? I, did I, did I, I not get the rules right? No, I, th- I just think it's, a, it's an ap- apropos way to, to, to classify it. Reptile NBA doesn't sound as good as lizard NBA. Herp NBA sounds like... That league. sounds like something that will never really get traction with the American public. It sounds like, it sounds like the league that Dennis Rodman probably plays in now. <laughs> <laughs> oh... That's good. Um, <laughs> Woo! Did you did you come up with the team name though? Uh, no, but I can right now. All right. Well, let me let me tell you my name, and uh, you so you have like ten seconds to think of to come up with a good one. So I I decided I'm going to be um, the. See, this is the, the problem is I'm not sure about the geographic location, but I, I'm going to call it the Vietnam Kongs. Kongs. Um, K- 
Kongs. Yeah, it's a play on the Viet Cong and uh, the famous great ape King Kong. So I'm picturing if we call it Viet Cong's, and then there's like a picture of a gorilla in front, um, which has absolutely nothing to do with uh, you know with the world of reptiles. But it's you know it's an NBA team. Guess what? They're no one. They're not allowed to listen to jazz in Utah, but they they have the team name that. So so that's what I've decided my team is. So my team will be the Vietnam Kong's. I'm embarrassed. Oh, now I have to come up with one. Great. Well, that's not going to happen. Well, I, so. I was hoping that you were coming up with one as I drew out that, the explanation. Well, I was trying. Normally, like at a restaurant, you know, if I don't know what I want, but then it's time to order. It's okay, you order first. And right. in 10 seconds, I could just close my eyes right. and point to something. But there's not any clever sports team reptile-related names sitting in front of me, so unfortunately. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll call my well, team the Toronto Raptors. Uh, cold-blooded, so that's pretty good, yeah. Cold-blooded. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're speaking from an evolutionary standpoint, I think that that's closer to, if we were doing a bird podcast, that would make sense, because we all know that's where dinosaurs came from. Not very closely related to lizards, as it were. But, uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, all right, so we, we, we did actually, we got together and had a big, uh, coin toss, and actually, the the Toronto Raptors <laughs> are going to have the first pick. So, um, you're the fr- with with first pick in the 2013 Lizard NBA draft. <laughs> Stop calling it that. I hate you. I will not. The Toronto oh, Raptors select. I hate you so much. Oh, I don't know. It's tough. I've got a few good ones. I'm going to go with the reticulated python. Oh. Stole it. Longest snake in the world, brother. Yeah, that's Longest you, snake in the world. Now he's gonna he's gonna uh protect the middle of the paint with his length and he keep everybody just hang away from, from the, the rim, really. Yeah, yeah. He could hang from one rim and touch the other rim on the other side of the court. That's true. That's an exaggeration, but you, No, you let's see. Well they I mean they can get upwards of thirty or thirty one feet. So I mean they could you know what they could do is they could have they could be hanging up on the rim and still have their head down to guard um, you know, a potential someone with the ball on the floor, which is not something that can be said for any human beings. Do you remember so that's a, I, it's a good pick. Do you remember when our friend in the, the the draft always starts with a big man, unrightfully so, but um do you remember when our friend with that pet store in Rhode Island uh used to have retics in his store and it always said hold for Rick? Not for sale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was my first experience with retics. Just um, thought I'd say that. My first experience was having not any sense to know that that was not a good thing to have a retic python in Rhode Island. <laughs> right. Oh, that's really cool. That's great. This should be here. Okay. Um, all right. On. So, I, so that's a. I think that's a great first pick. Like you said, you you got to go with someone big first because it's a basketball team. Um, I also am thinking the same route um, with the first, my first pick, the Vietnam Kongs. Uh, have or we decided to select the false gharial uh, to nice. play to play center. Yeah, just because you well, it could be center or power forward. Really, you just want someone. You want an intimidating presence, you know, in the sweet on your on the court. So I think that that's yeah, that, that's why we decided to go to go there. Um, and false Gary, by the way, is just the, one of the coolest looking things uh, that there is. Okay. Yes. That's okay. that follows most of my picks. You'll see are really tailored fit to kind of be you know look good, look good, feel good, play good. 
Yeah, okay. You know I mean, I think the cool-looking things, I feel like, will be better on a, at a basketball. So you're like the L.A. Lakers. You want a flashy team other, as opposed to a team that wins. I understand. Right. I just picked a, uh, I just picked Dwight Howard first. Right, because he's got a good smile. Okay. Fair right. Enough. Okay. Um, my, so with the second pick? With my third pick, uh, third right. pick in Your the second. NBA draft. Um, yep. The Lizard, hold on, time out. We're not doing this if you're not going to call it what it is. The lizard NBA draft. The reptile draft. <laughs> the herp, the Dennis Rodman herp draft is the Philippine Cobra. Ooh. Which uh, drops the drop. snakes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to impress everybody here. I, I, um, drop for drop, the most venomous of all cobras, and can spit its venom up to three meters, which for anyone in America, that's... Like three yards. So how do you <laughs> how do you how, how do you think that will help on the basketball court? Are you kidding blind me? your enemy defensively? Or, you know, like that. Well, type of thing. I think spitting on people is a uh, foul. Probably a technical foul, but um, who knows? I mean, this is a, this is a new league, so we can make whatever rules we want. So I'll allow it. Right. Yeah. What's your next pick? Okay. Um, with my second pick, I, you know, see now this is where it gets tricky because you get, you know, you get a big mean presence, but you, you need a little bit of finesse too. Um, I think in any, in anything really in any, any walk of life. So I'm, I'm really, I might be reaching on this cause I don't think that you're going to go for, for, uh, for this, this guy, but I'm going to go ahead and choose the Malayan butterfly lizard. Okay. Uh, Teach me more because I know nothing. Let's go. Yeah, this is good. This, they're really very, very cute looking lizard. I don't know. Is that a bad thing? They're, no, they're, it's That's a very right. pretty animal. It's a, I, I figured you need someone small that can move quickly. I like, a, you know, the, this is my point guard, basically. Okay. Um, I'm concerned about the, how it's going to handle the ball because it's much smaller than a ball. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, that's you know that's right. I just figured you need, you need some speed and some finesse, and you got to get someone to get that the big the big crock. You know, and you, you get, the false girls got to get the ball. And these are actually very interesting too. They uh they they're, they're ground dwellers. They 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 burrow and they produce. How what's the word for it? they they produce themselves? They they don't have they don't copulate with another butterfly oh, they, lizard. Oh, they they um, reproduce um, asexually. Yeah, but that's not the right word. Parthenogenic. They're parthenogenic. They have both. Basically, they, they, they clone themselves. Sweet. Yeah, right? So, I mean, so that's the other thing. Okay, uh, first guy is a little tired. Clone yourself and we'll, and we'll bring in a sub and no one will be, you know, none the wiser. You could, you could play 48 minutes that way. That's true. Wow. What, what effect does that have on the salary cap? There's got to be some rule around that. Uh, well, no, because cheating. what the first guy doesn't know is that when he gets off, we're gonna we're gonna kill him because he's tired. <laughs> that's the way the that's the way our team very very hard nosed team. That's the way wow. we work. Okay. All right. So third third pick. Your third pick. I'm gonna go with the uh, Malayan or uh, blue sea crate, um, which um, I think back to the old uh, Crocodile Hunter episodes where Steve Irwin used to pick up these sea crates and kiss them on the face. Yeah. Um, but uh, obviously most people know about the sea crates, um, wild, uh, wildly potent venom. And uh, this uh, blue sea crate, even with anti-venom, uh, 50% of bite victims die. So 
these guys are not likely to bite you, but if they do, nice knowing you. Right. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. So, so you're, I mean, so just to characterize this far, you've gotten a pretty aggressive squad so far. Yeah, we're, you're, we're yeah, we're, we're, we're from the streets. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're trying to bite, you're trying to bite stuff. Yeah, we are. We are. I don't see, I, I don't think the youth really thought ahead, to be honest, because there's no way that you're going to be in such foul trouble. It's, um, it's better to, to, to beg forgiveness and ask permission. We're we're gonna be we're gonna come out swinging. We're 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 throwing the first punch. <laughs> My third pick. Um, I think that you're. This is. I'm glad that we we talked about this before. And this is. I had already thought of this. Luckily, because I'm very very uh, into this. So I thought way ahead. Um, My third pick is the Asiatic soft shell turtle. Uh, for some of the reasons that we already described. Uh, beautiful. Look good. Feel good. Play good. And very fast on its feet. I'm thinking like small forward, like they can do a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Like can go to the rim, mm-hmm. can probably can probably pass, can probably do you know kind of a versatile player in the middle. I needed a turtle, um, whereas you're just all snakes. You're, I mean, I don't know how you're going to be able to guard any of my <laughs> any of my, my players. To be honest, <laughs> I don't have but, enough uh, body. I don't have enough body with my picks. Okay, you don't. You don't. Okay, we'll work that out now. Oh, all right. Well, let's go. Your your fourth pick. The, with the fourth pick in the 2013 Lizard NBA draft, the Toronto Raptors <laughs> select. If the Raptors keep going on the road they're on, they will end up in this league sooner than later. <laughs> That's uh, very true. The Komodo Dragon. Oh, okay. There we go. From the islands of Komodo, Rinka, Flores, and Gili Motang. Uh, the world's biggest lizard, so whatever. And they have uh, some pretty uh, some pretty nasty saliva that you don't want to have to tangle with. Mm. You're just you're very focused on the saliva of, and the and the venom of your animals. Yep. All right. Well, I mean, you may have found a hole because now my my next pick is I think is going to be a little um, is going to be a little bit touchy here because I think that uh, it'll probably be eaten. But, what is um, it, a subspecies of the butterfly lizard? <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm really pulling rabbits out the hat here. Um, no, actually, what I'm pulling out of my hat with the with my fourth pick at the Vietnam Collins, just selecting the Malayan horned frog. Nice. Um, this will be my two guards, undersized two guard. I'm thinking Allen Iverson type um, because it's a frog. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they're they're one of the they're one of these leaf shaped um, frogs that I just oh, cool. I, I love. Um, they're found in Thailand, uh, Malaysia, and some of the islands, Sumatra, Borneo, down, down in that area. But uh, just beautiful frog. Um, I, I think that, you know what, you know how like a, a, even in boxing, you, know, you have a lefty that'll kind of just mess things up because they're left-handed? Yeah, sure. I'm thinking of it like that because what's, who's going to be able to, to know where he's going to hop next? You know what I mean? Okay. He's going to be, I mean, unless you have, I really don't, don't think you have an amphibian coming up with the fifth pick, but unless you have that, I'm, you know, I'm going to be the only one on the court that has someone that's hopping around instead of slithering or sliding. How do you how do you know that I'm not going to have an amphibian? Um, this is this is how the game is played. I'm just assuming. Okay, all right, fair enough. And I, I had a, I had an alternate pick, and if you had already picked an amphibian, I don't think I would have taken this because there's really nothing that special. And again, this is another animal that's going to probably more likely be crushed by a basketball than be able to to dribble it. But that's okay. <laughs> well, so, luckily, this isn't literally going to happen. But that doesn't mean that your little frog isn't a tremendously important creature. Oh, we're this is yeah. 
no, this isn't literally gonna gonna happen. I was, um, <laughs> I, I have to hold on. I have to cancel some eBay transactions. <laughs> hold on, I just bought jerseys that we're not doing this for real. Um, all right, so you have your. This is your fifth pick. This is a very important pick for you to round out. You basically have four four shooting guards, mm-hmm. three shooting guards, and a and a power forward center. Yeah. Um, and guess who's not getting a point guard? Me, because as you could have guessed. I need to round out my team uh, with a Colonian, and I wasn't going to have a team of five and not have a turtle or tortoise in there. So my fifth and final pick, um, and for those of you that stayed up late in the draft to pay attention to this, you'll be proud because I'm picking the uh, Burmese star tortoise. Uh, You dog. Did I just steal your last pick? You does the phrase "you dog" mean anything to you? Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are great. They're so beautiful. I had a chance to buy a few um, in August 2011, and I turned it down. And I've been kicking myself in the buns ever since. And not really because they're the best species to keep where I live, but just because they're so amazing and they're so there. There's like there's nothing known about them in the wild. Um, they're so rare. Uh, they're one of those species like we talked about where they're extremely rare and there's just not a lot you know known about them and if there was then they'd be even rarer on paper so um yeah they're just they're just awesome and and beautiful and uh i'm jealous for any of you that i think that's a good pick that have uh geo or geo cologne uh platinota out there i'm jealous so happy to steal your pick john yeah i appreciate it um so this this will leave me with the last pick. You know what I was also thinking? I was thinking to take a uh, like a, a Burmese star for um, for to coach because they are also very slow. Um, I don't think not, so. Not, probably not great on the court. Uh, but hey, you you know it's like it's like having you're having Jason Kidd out there. Um, a <laughs> little slow probably would make a good coach. <laughs> Um, all right, so with the fifth pick, um, rounding everything out, this is honestly, I really think I'm going to bring the house down and totally win this game with this pick. I don't, um, I don't see how you'll be able to compete with this. Um, and just consider, it's a little outside of the box, but anyway, with can you can you give me the intro? Can you do David Stern and I'll make the pick? With the fifth pick in the 2013, it's the tenth pick, but you know, whatever. The Viet Cong select. In the 2013 what? Just go. I don't want to do it. <laughs> All right. I'm choosing uh, the Bornean orangutan. Um, and I'm going to – listen, I'm going to dre- – he's, he's, no one's going to know. It's going to be like Juana, man. I'm going to put a, like, a, like, a, like a, an alligator coat on him. You're not, no one's going to even know. And being that he's basically a subspecies of hominid, uh, he's going to outsmart everybody, and he's going to crush all of you. I win. Boom. I just won the game. And if you were wondering, the Bornean orangutan is the one with a really big, wide face. <laughs> okay. So, game, set, match. You have a team. You have a team. There's only like 10 fingers on your whole team because you have so many snakes. I have opposable <laughs> thumbs. I have opposable thumbs on my side of the ball. I don't have any fingers on my team. What are you talking about? Weird. Yeah, you, got, you, don't, you don't have you got nothing. You're all snakes. Burmese star tortoises don't have fingers. I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my gosh. You didn't think ahead at all. Who says humanoids are 
hominids are smarter anyways? Um, it's science. I hate to, I hate to, this is a, this is a controversial idea. I think here with the folks at, at the turtle room, but while we are smarter, um, you know, there is a lot to offer from the, the reptiles, but anyway, I just would like to point out that I'm pretty sure if we played this game in real life, I would win. Well, anyone who's interested can email us and just, and let us know who they thought won. But uh, obviously it's me. And uh, just so everyone knows, we have a new email. You can email us at po- um, podcast at theturtleroom.com. That's podcast, P-O-N-D-C-A-S-T, at theturtleroom.com. All right, so... Um Please, again, please do email us. That would be great. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to have, uh, if you have a, something that you'd like to hear us talk about, um, then we would we'd be very happy to do that. Um, so just kind of to, to finish up, we have one more thing that's kind of fun, kind of lighthearted. But uh, in your, I think it was your third pick, you chose the Komodo Dragon, correct? Yes, it was my fourth pick. Your fourth pick. Okay. Um, I, I was doing some research on this when we were talking about, uh, you know, doing a, a, an episode on Southeast Asia. Uh, and the islands, obviously, Komodo dragon is the most unique reptile probably in the, in the, in the world, right? I mean, that's, that's not a really far out of the line to say that, right? Okay. I'm going it's with it. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, regardless, it's a very important thing. And uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, not mysteries, but there's a lot of misconceptions, um, you know, about this species. And I actually went, uh, our friends over at ehow.com. <laughs> have a really good article um, about how to survive a Komodo dragon attack. Something and, uh, that's I think, just so practical and so useful. Yeah, I mean, it's just, if, if you're like, if you're out in the, you're out in the bush somewhere and you start to get attacked, you know, attacked by a Komodo dragon, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to go on your eHow.com app and you're going to type in Komodo <laughs> dragon attack and see what you come up with. After you get um, attacked so, and you research it, then you'll see what you should have done. Say, oh. Right. Well, you know what's funny? They actually have, they, I mean, they've kind of missed the point, but they have one article on how to survive a Komodo dragon attack, and then they have the one that people will actually use, which is how to treat a Komodo dragon bite. Right. That, that'll um, get used, exactly, because that's when you hit Google is after it happens. Okay, um, so, so so this is a, they have a fi- a five instructions. I'm going to just kind of bust them real quick. But uh, the first thing you do before you even go, you need to have a provision and managing a manageable knife, dagger, or similar weapon. Okay. Um, you should okay. you should practice with your weapon before even getting to Indonesia, just so that you're comfortable. <laughs> and you should probably be able to use both hands. I'm sure Indonesia um, uh, would like would appreciate that. I'm gonna I'm right gonna exactly be a skilled weapon wielder before I go over there. Good right. And then um, you should probably you should fly with that weapon too. I'm sure that'll be fine. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. Two, this is the best one. Join an expert before walking into a Komodo dragon's environment. Go to the tour. They're talking about the tour industry, and which is actually pretty large. Um, you know, the uh, wildlife uh, vacationing right now is, is is kind of booming, which is good. And we're you know we're going to definitely support that as any way we can because you want to get a lot of money into these areas. But anyway, uh, you join a tour. Um, Number three is follow your tour guide's instructions if a Komodo dragon sets up to attack you um, because your tour guide knows these creatures. All right, and he, the tour guide will usually fend them off with a forked stick. So assuming that all goes well with your tour guide's forked stick, then you're good there after just three things. So this has really been a helpful article. Um, <laughs> four, 
Pull your knife out if a Komodo dragon attacks you. Keep stabbing it until it lets you go. Quickly move away and make sure there aren't other Komodo dragons in the area. Find your tour group quickly if you've been separated. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, this is because, again, in the, in the heat of the moment, you don't think of things like that. You don't think of just general ways to defend yourself. All right, so in the, the fifth and last bullet point they have here, um, after you've, ho- hopefully you've been attacked and you've stabbed it enough times that it stopped attacking you, then you find your tour group, and then you want to apply first aid. Um, again, something you probably wouldn't have thought of. Uh, so do that, and... Um, and definitely you want to expect another attack also because the way that they hunt they generally like to bite you and then wait for you to die and then follow you to where you're you know where you're at and eat you so if you can get to a place where they can't go like as a, for instance if you find out what sex the komodo dragon is and then you go to a local eatery you go to like an applebees in, in malaysia somewhere and you go into the male <laughs> bathroom if it's a female komodo dragon or vice versa mm-hmm. so cuz they can't they can't go in there right um, so you should try that um, good in the neighborhood. That's how you. That, yeah, that's how you survive a corner dragon attack, folks. And if for for those of you that really like this, um, you can also read up on how to escape shark attacks, how to survive a crocodile attack, or how to survive an alligator attack. Um, those are all very very interesting articles that you should check out on ehow.com. Or how um, to survive an alien attack. <laughs> right. What to do when the singularity happens is or another great. A zombie apocalypse. Right. Someone's written that based on their um, personal experience, because I know someone out there has had as much experience with a with uh, a zombie apocalypse as this guy has had with a Komodo dragon. Komodo yeah. dragon attack. Yeah, so, yeah, that's great. You're very right. Well, in right. in in closing up this um, podcast episode, I hope you I hope you all liked it. Um, uh, something new we want to do is um, to kind of insert a little trivia uh, question that we can. Um, that we can have uh, people email in and answer. Again, we're uh, email to the podcast at theturtleroom.com. That's P O N D C A S T at theturtleroom.com. Um, email in your answer. And uh, the question is, and forgive me as I stumble over this, but I have the idea in my head, um, but I don't have it written out or, or worded perfectly. So um, this question uh, does not pertain to South. Southeast Asia, but um, it does uh, pertain to an important place, uh, Madagascar. On that island, uh, there's been a recent push to um, introduce a non-native species of which, um, uh, well, basically, I should say of that of that species genus, the genus, um, there were two species that that did live on Madagascar that are now extinct. So there were two species on Madagascar of the same genus um, that are now extinct, and a third uh, animal of that genus is going to be introduced to make up for, for the loss of those two species. Um, I, we want to know the species name for those three animals. Um, for the ones that are about to be introduced or the ones that are... Well... Just to, just to be clear. Just to be clear, and I know this is a little confusing, so I apologize, but there's two species that went extinct on Madagascar of the same genus. Okay, so they're they're all pretty much very similar animals. Right. They're going to bring a third one in that is still living in a different area to replace those and hopefully help the ecosystem. Which, honestly, replacing one species is the least of their worries. Um, part kind of replacing one species is is the least of their worries on Madagascar. Maybe they should stop 
slash and burn and and uh, smuggling out all their animals. But right, uh, or getting David Schwimmer to be a voice on their TV show. Right, another so, main pro- problem with Madagascar. Right, of course. But um, so the same genus, um, two species uh, went extinct, and one's coming back into. And remember, I'm asking this question, wink, wink. So it's probably about something that I am a little interested in. And All right, I don't know if we need to give hints. Let's just let to the person to the person who was just feeling a little difficult to me. So and <laughs> wink, wink. It's a reptile. <laughs> <laughs> to the person who answers it right uh, first, um, you will have mailed directly to your door a Turtle Room T-shirt in the size of your choice. Uh, this this episode will go live on Wednesday, July third at eleven a.m. So, you know, based on when you're when you're listening to this, and uh, I mean, if you're listening to this on July third, two thousand fourteen, then someone probably already answered it. But you know, you could but by of, all means send your answer in anyway. Yeah, that's right, that's right, because we'd love to hear it, and uh, you never know. This is not the easiest question in the world, and uh, the podcast isn't necessarily. Uh, the Tonight Show. So um, there's not dis- necessarily I, millions I, of I, listeners. I disagree, but continue. We're getting there. We're getting there, and there's we've, we've we have a bit of a faithful following, and um, we're proud of that. But uh, and it is growing. Absolutely. So look forward to seeing your responses, and thank you for uh, thank you for listening to the uh, broadcast, and um, take care of yourself till next time. All right, so signing off, I'm John. And I'm Tony. And have a wonderful day. (laughs) Have a good time. This has been a production of The Turtle Room.